0: Welcome to the final Higher Education Happy Hour podcast of 2015. I am Kevin Carey from New America. Joined by my, my co-podcasters, Libby Nelson from Vox.com and Andrew Kelly from AEI. What's up, guys? Hi, Kevin. Happy
1: holidays. Happy
0: holidays. So we're we're on a tight schedule here. Um, it's a good thing. It's going to keep us disciplined, uh, uh, such as it is. So we're going to pour the drinks while I kick the discussion off. I think that was close to the microphone. That was Libby right there. Um was on have, purpose. It was a good sound effect. We have Angel's Angels Envy, Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey today. I think it's good. Bourbon I think that is, puts us, kind of I back think back that in.
1: puts bourbon way ahead in the column of things that we've right. had on this It's an angel I feel thing. like it's that's maybe the thing we can all right?
2: agree on. True. And, <laughs> alcohol wise.
1: True. I think that's right. It's American. Yeah. <laughs> um, We'll
2: that's do good. mold it's wine good. in that's January. A, Just too much
0: equipment. That's good for a bipartisan Agreed. podcast, right? <laughs> yeah, right. We don't want to get into any of these issues. Um, I was saying before we started, I tried to buy some scotch today, but I think the decline of the euro has made scotch like super expensive or something. So that's good for the American Taxes are higher too
1: because higher ed's free there. So oh, that's true. That might be part that's of a
0: what's
2: a good happened. point. But they're not
1: on the euro. <laughs> what's that? They're but not, not on, on the euro. The
2: euro. Oh, all
1: right. So, no, they actually, not, their, not only that, but they, they have their yeah, own, they that's have, a, good they have point. a pound note, so that they're
0: unique. I wonder if they, they saw and I have no idea where the exchange rate is compared to the pound, so.
1: No, we should check. If they
0: have like their way, they'll have their own their own thing entirely, right? If the Scots, Scots manage to break free, they'll have to do their own currency. When I was
1: there in the early 2000s, the, the English had a phrase, which was, um, you know, give them the one pound note and they'll be happy for another 500 years. <laughs> 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 I'm sure that helps. Yeah, right? right. You
0: know, I'm sure that doesn't filter northward into mm. um although it's basically just it's kind of screwed the Labour Party, right? Because the Labour Party had its base in Scotland and now it's all the Scottish National Party. So there like is no Labour Party left in in Great Britain,
2: I was right. I was there right before the independence vote uh, last year, which was yeah. a fascinating time to be there. And then the independence vote lost, and so we missed out on all the interesting follow up stories that could have ensued.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. Well, we should do a special like European edition of the Higher Ed Happy Hour at some point there's actually a we lot should to talk make about. a list
2: of all the special yeah. editions we've promised, and next if twenty make twenty sixteen <laughs> the year we just go through them yeah. every month. Right. Yeah.
0: Um, so we are going to uh, uh, follow in the grand cliché tradition of doing a year-end wrap-up slash best and worst. And then I think Libby wants to defend the honor of uh, Love Actually at some point. Um, she is, I have
2: put more thought into this than some of the articles I the write. So okay. I, if, if right. I don't get in a forum here, it's going to go on the internet.
0: Okay, <laughs> fair enough. So cheers, guys. Cheers. Cheers, cheers to a happy, good year. Happy end of year. First year of our podcast. Happy year.
2: Did we start in January?
1: It was around there. I don't think we were in 2014
2: so we did it in february first. for yeah. sure so i think right. i think our anniversary i think it was, was like up.
1: free community college was the big yeah the you're right thing yeah. We yeah. About. Yeah, it when we it were trying would've... to do
2: it like weekly or you know mm-hmm. more often right. than this
0: yeah i guess that would have spun out of the state of the union right mm-hmm. Which, and all that stuff so okay, mm-hmm. we
2: can do birthday cake in january right and drinks very exciting right.
0: um so best and worst when do you guys want to start you can
1: take either one I have my mind queued um, up in my head. But. Best and worst. I would st- I'll start with um with best and uh, from my perspective probably not yours. Best was the department's retreat on the rating system to um actually do something productive and uh-huh. say we're going to release more uh, data that we can use. Um, uh, obviously, they're not all the way there with those data. We want them to be program level and so on and so forth and much much better much better quality and a broader array of students. But that to me is one of the best things that happened this year.
2: I want to piggyback on that and say that's the thing I definitely had the biggest uh, change of mind and heart about this year. I think I went into this year pretty bullish on the prospective ratings. I am now to the point where I'm not even sure I would put the data release at the top of my best because watching how it is used and the giant caveats that surround it and the way that they are ignored, um, both is probably makes me happy that nothing further was done with it, but also I have really come around much more on some of the data skepticism about this than I ever would have expected to be at the beginning of 2015.
0: Like particular parts of it? Yeah, or? I mean,
2: what I keep hammering on is the 5% variation and the degree to which everybody is trying to regress down to that 5% and sort of the ridiculous contortions of rankings, which was never right. the purpose of the data that we've seen come out of that.
0: So I think so. the 5% variation you're referring to, like a note by an economist that was done by the Obama administration, sort of Yeah, that was an, the accompanying data. the data, right. saying,
2: you know, we, we're releasing these earnings, but we have found in examining the data that we have released that, earn, that the college accounts for about 5% of the variation.
0: So I feel like that's a terrible number. I have strong opinions on the 5% as it happens. Like, I think that... So first of all, like, I think you should need, like, a government license to do regression analysis. And, and like, I know the guy who did is actually a very, like, well-credentialed economist, and so I don't mean to say that he doesn't know what he's doing in terms of regression analysis. But I think... This just kind of goes to the whole problem of using institutions as your your unit of analysis, yeah, right? So, so and you also have, the the
2: propensity that no matter what the data is supposed to be, the preference for ranking elite colleges is absolutely the way everyone actually right. wants to use it.
0: Well, and, and, I mean, the, you know, the point of the earnings data, I think. I mean, so you only get to five percent if you regress out student characteristics, mm-hmm. right? And so, uh, I'm assuming. Um,
2: yes, I believe so. Yeah.
0: And so, but in a lot of ways, the point, like, kind of the ethos of the 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 data in a way is to sort of say, well, look, um, if the numbers are terrible, it doesn't really matter if they're, you know, not that terrible compared to all the other institutions that also, you know, enroll lots of the same kind of students. Terrible is terrible because your student loan provider uh, doesn't care whether you went to a college with a lot of, say, Pell Grant students or not. Like Like, you can't regress out your debt. The same way, you know. So I think that there was sort of a you
1: know. well, the snarky response. The snarky response to not necessarily this specific question, but the whole the whole line of argument. that like, "Oh no, institutions don't. This is an institution's problem. They don't have any effect on this. It's entirely student driven, and it's their fault, and it's whether they show up and do the work, whatever else." I always say, "Then why do we subsidize it? Why do we subsidize them? <laughs> right? If this if this is sort of like if your path is already basically predetermined by some collection of demographics in your zip mm-hmm. code, then right then why would we subsidize?" higher education.
2: This has talked me around to the one thing I did see as a plus of ratings, which was actually actively comparing, trying to compare like and like, um, which this is not. like. Because even within that 5%, obviously, there is variation that is worth looking at. As I've tried to do that um, in my own work, I found it to be incredibly difficult. And I don't know if in the alternate history where they pressed ahead with ratings, they still would have released the data. We still would be seeing this. Um, So I I still think it's probably on balance a good thing that they did not. But... That is the one thing where a rating as opposed to a ranking is a baseline that exists that people could compare this against would have been helpful as opposed to just the general data release that we ended up getting but
1: that but that to me is the responsibility of 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 other people to come up with and and market and say we've come up with this one because we think it's best for this type of student or this type of consumer. We think this is best for adult students. We think this is best for traditional age students. Mm-hmm. Like that's the kind of thing that that any any rating that's that's constructed by a unitary actor like the Department of Education is going to be immensely controversial to the point of being uninformative, most likely. Uh, whereas if you do it this way, you have lots of different opportunities mm-hmm. for people to say, "Oh, that was dumb the way you did that." Oh, like I, I like that better. That seemed more useful to me, so on. The
2: Actually, flip side of that yeah. is I think anything aimed at anything other than academically high-achieving traditional students doesn't get done because it's not sexy and it doesn't sell. Um, and I'm a little bit complicit in this as well in that I have not come up with a alternative. I can't do regressions. I'm holding off on it until I can find right. someone to work with me who can. Right. But I do think it's a little – no, no regression without
0: theory just keep that in mind no regression how about just no theory?
2: regression? i have the theory how about um, just no um, regression i have the theory but it, it yeah. would definitely be malpractice for me to touch your aggression yeah. so my grad
1: school not. my grad school's seminar uh, method seminar the professor's motto was regression is evil
0: yeah no i I've, i'm more or less at that point yeah right? you know i mean i think i think it's you, uh i hear you i think that I, I mean so i think it's uh I'm actually so kind of getting back to your original thing I don't know that we disagree and I, I think I've my what I've kind of come to conclude is that uh, the virtue of not doing the rating system with this data is that it gives the data a chance to breathe and to live a little bit and you you don't create a big, uh, a set of organizations that have strong incentives to launch unreasonable attacks against the data mm-hmm. and to sort of delegitimize it and to go to Congress and like forbid the Department of Education from ever collecting it again, which by the way is definitely something that people would do um, if they felt threatened by the information. And so this way it can be kind of used in like lots of different ways. And and I'm also, you know, and, and this kind of ultimately does get to the sort of the 5% number. Um, I just don't think there's really any point in having Uh, conversations above the programmatic level for a lot of these things. Um, Now, the exciting thing is we're going to have programmatic earnings data in like five years. So the Department of Education has, I don't think anyone really has talked about this or or like, I don't think this has like been like broadly written about, but I mean, the Department of Education has put in place through the uh, financial aid system, like a comprehensive set of, like you have to identify the program flags now. So we just have to wait for the students to kind of go through the system finish and then file tax returns. And we'll we'll be able to compare all the creative writing programs to one another or all the engineering programs or all the business programs. And inevitably what you'll see is that like inside big comprehensive institutions, the reason we're getting to 5% is all the variance is washing out and we're just regressing against averages of big complex populations, which is just sort of a different way of saying we don't know. Not that there is no influence.
2: Absolutely, yeah. I'm no. I, I am excited for five years from now, and God knows what I'll be doing to look at right. those. No matter what I am mm-hmm. doing, I will yeah. drop everything and look at those programs. Right. Working
1: on a French language, a right. French language blog, a public policy blog right. on some other issue, maybe. I,
2: just to be clear, guys, five years ago I was a local reporter in Scranton, Pennsylvania, and I've had three jobs since then. So I'm not. I'm not looking that far in the future. I've been
1: doing right? the exact same thing, so that means I haven't I've made been any, doing any progress. Than that. You know,
0: I was looking through. I was, but yeah, so. Was it only five years ago? Because I was, like, I was looking through the Chronicle of Higher Ed Archives. So I was because, the Chronicle
2: before that. Okay, because I, I saw I was your- I Chronicle five and a half years ago. I, would, and pr- I was, I was printing
0: night. out all my columns because I, I don't, <laughs> I've, I've realized that you can't ever trust some organization <laughs> to uh, maintain its digital archives of the things you've written. Like, that's a fool's game. Don't do that.
2: This is a thing Print I it out to on paper. Do
0: and I
1: to kept... do. The author of the end of college. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> Very so, ironic.
0: Yep, yeah, exactly right. Yeah. Um, like well, so like the Library of Congress, right? So probably the book will still be there, but the book is also like exist in like tens of thousands of printed paper copies. So all these you don't want your
1: archives disrupted. All these digital, all these digital credentials t- that are right. going to change the world. So with it's, recordings it's, of competencies. Yeah, no, it's everything. totally important thing. Yeah. to think about.
0: Um, <laughs> is busy printing out all of his articles and walking um, <laughs> down to Kinkos or what, FedEx Kinkos. And yes, that's exactly true. I am doing that. <laughs> uh, but I did find I saw your byline in something from like 2007 <laughs> or something. So you were at the Chronicle. 2009. 2009. Okay.
2: So I, right. I have done the the whole Obama administration. Gotcha. Uh, minus 10 C- months.
1: Congratulations. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, you've watched you've watched it all. It's
0: terrific. Um, all right. So I will say uh, uh, best and worst. Worst, um, the Supreme Court decides to take Fisher v. Texas again, which I'm just appalled by. Um, I can't believe that. I, I kind of can't believe. It. So here's the thing that I'm having a hard time figuring out. And so this is also topical because it was just last week. Um, it seems so... Obviously, there are complicated arguments to be had about affirmative action as a policy, and I think that different positions can be taken in good faith and with evidence about affirmative action as, like, whether or not, or the extent to which, or how a particular university should implement it. That said, um, from a legal standpoint, if you believe that, one, uh, colleges can make a broad set of choices about who to admit using all kinds of different factors about students. So it's not just a pure narrow academic tournament that this idea that there there is an educational link between the type of students that you enroll and that there is uh, educational uh, virtue in diversity of many, many kinds. If you believe that and that you uh, think that that can be accomplished through a holistic admissions process, i.e. not purely formulaic, I don't know how race-based affirmative action can be illegal. If you like, I don't know how you – If you, I think you have to directly argue against both of those things, and it seems like the – I'm assuming the conservative part of the Supreme Court, which decided to take this case only two years after it last came or three years, wants to find some legal rationale for kind of wiping it away, and I just don't know how you get there. It seems very odd to me.
2: I think that's something a lot of people didn't understand having read the transcript and then having read a lot of the reaction to the transcript is that the legal – Footing on which affirmative action rests is a benefit to the student body as a whole. Um, I I sort of looked, and that's where you got John Roberts saying, What's the educational benefit of diversity in a physics class? Uh, which I've gotten a lot of lovely racist hate mail about for the past week and a half. Um, You know, I think people don't understand that that's where it rests, and especially the way we've seen the national conversation about race shift over the past year to more of an acknowledgement of historical reality, present reality the idea on the left seems to be that it, it should be a way of compensating for those historic and ongoing damages. And I think a lot of people don't realize that to justify affirmative action before the Supreme Court, you basically have to explain how it benefits white students.
1: Right. Is the benefit, you know, to to push back on this, is the benefit self-evident? Like, what's the standard? What By what standard should we evaluate the benefit of diversity on
0: campus? Who are we to say, I guess, right? You know, well, I mean, no, but, but
1: we are, we are, we are, we are, to say because we fund the programs that uh, via state taxes and via federal taxes that fund the institutions that then make these decisions that have consequences for our kids and our neighbors and our, so that this is what, I mean, I think Libby's right, but it, but it's sort of taken as a premise, right? You, you, you actually said, if you believe, yes, right. And you, correct. and you stated it as a premise mm-hmm. and there are people that genuinely don't believe that. Um, and, and, and unfortunately, um, you know rather than rather than discussing how we might actually sort of identify those benefits in a way that's that's rigorous and reasonable it, they tend to be dismissed as racist
2: yeah, so, but we can't identify any I mean how many benefits of a college education can we actually quantify I figure like I feel that's a much bigger separate when you have included winners, question. when you have
1: winners when you have winners and losers in a system uh, uh, and, and, and a system that is primarily taxpayer funded, um, there's there are going to be real questions about about um, um, costs and benefits, right? Of who of who gets access to the service, and and so so the the notion that we can the notion that we can posit that that divert that a certain amount of diversity on campus is a is a is a public right. good, right? Right. Then then we should we should actually have some, and I'm not saying that I'm not saying that the I think I think that I think that the the work on uh, undermatching and mismatch of which I've just been deeply involved in because we're doing a book with Harvard on this uh, that stuff to me reads reads in the opposite of what Justice Scalia suggested. so yeah, we'll don't get, get me wrong we'll get, we'll get there in a second yeah so, so don't get me wrong right yeah. but I think that that's a distinct I think that's a distinct question. Right. Than the sort of critical mass?
0: I mean, I think there's a couple answers. So, you know, I mean, I read uh, uh, Lanny Guinier's new book that uh, uh, came out because I reviewed it for The Times and their little capsule book reviews things that they do. So, by the way, that's hard to do. Like- I yeah, five. We're, do, we're doing
2: a few of ours now. Five, it's Five
0: two hundred word reviews, like re- review five books in a thousand words, not a thousand and one, a no, thousand. No, no. So you have to read all five books and like introduce them and like sort of talk about them and provide a little critical Holy smokes. this and that. Yeah, it was yeah. a lot of work. It was fun, but it was a lot of work. Um, Writing
2: short while is so hard.
0: Um, but she, you know, she cites research in there that talks about how like uh, uh you know diverse groups are more effective, right? So if you have like like one group of people who are very similar and they have like high IQs and another group of people who are more... More heterogeneous and actually have an average IQ that's lower, like the more diverse, like there is sort of a, a tangible benefit to the diversity and like to, so people have, have so I'm tried what, to But on what dimension? I forgot exactly
2: You know you I mean, what I mean? I mean but like These are real questions, so, right? But I feel like this is true. Every group feels that diversity is beneficial if they are part of the group that is diverse Um, which is how you see the pushback on political diversity mm-hmm. within the academy, rural white rural diversity. I mean a lot of undermatching is about white rural students is a thing that I have recently learned that I wasn't fully aware of um, oh, yeah. because they're the ones who are the most left out. Mm-hmm. And I do think, you know, geographic diversity, I honestly don't know what legacy admissions add beyond fundraising and network building. But, because you know, if you want to lump it in there that, right. you know, it It seems like the argument about whether it is a benefit is worthwhile, but it seems to be an argument that we only have whenever people are upset about whatever type of diversifying I mean, is isn't going it,
0: Isn't on. it though, I mean... The real answer to your question, Andrew, is, is, like, how do we know? Well, like, we have a de- – these are public institutions we're talking about, first of all, by and large. So we have democratic processes that ultimately result in leadership. You know, someone's elected governor or whomever, and they appoint trustees, and the trustees, you know, hires the president, and the president hires this. And, and like, in their professional judgment, they feel it's important. And, and there are all kinds of – Important judgments that they make about how to run these universities, where we don't imply a like strict empiricism standard. We say, you know, if you think that's important, then it's important, and there is a pretty like broad consensus, or, or, like across so these institutions. Rep- so, if
1: a Republican packed board in a state were to were to actively go away from any form of affirmative action. You would say that's that's okay because- no, well, that's
0: I would democratic. argue it as a matter of policy. And of course that's happened, right? I mean, we have states that have outlawed sure. affirmative but, action. Uh, but are you, and, but
1: that's okay with you because it's a, because it was done by a democratic process?
0: I mean, I would argue against it via the democratic process. So I'm, I'm just really talking about an issue of constitutionality here. Like whether it should just be like, there should be no option. You know, that it's somehow, I mean, I guess just the idea that like somehow the sort of the legal tenets of- you know equality and equal protection which were created to you know substantially to protect african americans from the horrible legacy of discrimination will now in 2015 have the effect of excluding just them but not all the other kinds of diverse groups from the benefit of diversity in admissions just seems perverse like like we're going to end up in a situation where like bribe based diversity is acceptable for admissions but race based diversity isn't I mean, I don't know if you like, read the piece in the Chronicle of Higher Education that just came out like uh, this was, I think, uh, Jack Stripling and Eric Hoover had a piece. It was just like last week. And they foia basically the email correspondence between the Dean of Admissions and the Board of Trustees at 13 public universities. And lo and behold, you have all these trustees saying stuff like, and, and here I quote uh, – you know, hey, can you get this kid in? Uh, No, because he has a 2.7 grade point average and we're a flagship university. Well, you know, his family is so rich they could fund an entire business school for us. Well, you know, we can get him in in January, the whole January thing, like where they don't count in the admission statistics and just like literally just kind of slide this, you know, uh not very qualified son of some family that can fund the business school in through the side like tons and tons of stuff like that.
1: Why don't we solve the problem by not allowing any publicly subsidized institution to be selective?
0: Why don't we just stop you know having this whole argument? I mean I don't it just seems like like I don't know. I mean it just But isn't that the root
1: isn't the root of all the isn't the root of the problem that we are subsidizing a positional good and, and and subsidizing institutions that actively keep people out in order to climb in rankings like that's that's what's most bizarre about the whole conversation to me
0: i mean but, i mean I guess that's almost sounds like a very broad argument against selectivity i was just gonna say, or
2: against subsidizing have but, you turned entirely on the notion of federal subsidies this year
1: no does that, that's, I mean, not, that's, is not that's not a, turning I mean, on I mean, it no no I mean, I'm, I'm asking really no, i'm asking question. whether federal and state subsidies should go toward things that are um to, should go toward institutions that are that are actively keeping people out. I mean, they can only be so. Why big, should they?
0: Right. So I mean, I mean, they're all selective. In do we
1: Sunday do that still, in right? anything else? Do we do we do we fund hospitals yeah, that turn question. away sick people? Would would we, would we would we actively subsidize them and allow them to participate in federal I mean, I healthcare don't think that's programs? Really analogous. Per se, I mean, I mean, the selection though, is an educational benefit, right? I mean, there's this idea. I mean,
0: I mean, we do
2: in K twelve. Kind of common sense. I'm just ideas. raising. We under, do, yeah, we, we do in K twelve. This is
1: something sure. that Diane Diane Jones said this at the financial aid conference that right. we had a million years ago, um, and it stuck with me. I mean, it's literally it's it's an argument, right? And I'm no, it's the, the argument's actually not that that we shouldn't have federal subsidies is that they shouldn't go to selective colleges.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm curious just because this is it feels like right? you have brought this up right. in two contexts now, and so I thought I'd ask. But is that
1: but is that fair? I mean. W- Why do we do it? So I think, I
0: mean, I will say I teased this at our last podcast, I think. Like New America has a big, we have a big like big think white paper coming out about sort of completely changing the whole system of federal financial aid and to some extent what you're saying is going to be part of it like in a unlike
2: the other 27 you know, big white papers you've written even about completely changing federal financial aid so this is
0: the whole system this is even bigger those okay. were just those are just warm-up palate cleanser pieces for this piece which is new if the only person living. alive yeah.
2: who read all the rounds of rad i so, look forward to this oh,
1: like, well, well you and who else beth Akers, i think had to read well i did it too, twice because right? i
2: lost my notes it was no, the best no, thing I ever no. did. That's it's terrible. the only reason I understand financial aid, all right, we're but... on a
1: tight timeline, and I want to give other people a chance to weigh in on their best and worst. So, so I no, suff- I have not turned against federal right? okay. subsidies. Thank you very that much. would be
2: a, No, that would be an interesting so, evolution over the course of 2015 that we missed. I'm just saying.
1: Um,
0: <laughs> finally, like, side note, and again, almost taking these issues off the table, there's like few things more frustrating and appalling than Supreme Court justices, and they all do this sloppy references to social science that like somehow... Matter and here, of course, I am talking about like Justice Scalia's reference to a uh, you know a particular perspective on uh, you know undermatching and this and that. I'm not even talking about that. I mean, although I do think like. Bill Bowen and Mike McPherson wrote a good letter to the editor, to who people who have like actually studied this issue saying that's all nonsense. But like you see this actually in a lot of education litigation where these very, very smart people who have been lawyers their whole life will just cite some study in a way that frankly would get you like laughed off the a random comment board. On all sides. On all sides. Everybody yep. does it. I think it.
2: the law school thing is huge here because yeah. I've gotten a lot of pushback on writing a piece citing all of the research that I could find on Mismatch. And everyone was like, why didn't you write about law schools?" Right. And I was like, because this isn't a case about law school. Well, exactly.
0: Yep. Right. Right? You know, um, like, and I'm not that, as familiar. I will admit, they I'm
2: they not as familiar in, with yeah. the law school issue. But like, this is if you're a lawyer, I guess that's the only one that you think matters. It seems. I mean, sure. and I, will, I will say this. And in, some, also, law school screwed up in studied. so many ways. I it's don't feel right. like this is
1: people have written about that way. more. I feel like I feel like like in the in the in the specific the mismatch the the undermatched conversation has not been has not invoked affirmative action very often.
2: No, if interestingly, right. yeah. But it is. I mean, it's socioeconomic for affirmative action in a way. I know yeah. it's not well. It's not because they are qualified. The, it's, so yeah, right. So it's. A, I just need to back out of that. Right.
1: Yeah. Um. I. The, 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 a plug here. There's a. There's a chapter that. Um. Uh. A professor at University of Colorado wrote for a book that Rick and I did. Um. Rick called. Hess. Yeah. Rick Hess and I did called. Um. Carrot sticks in the bully pulpit about right. why courts are horrible at making decisions on education policy. Mm. And this is part of the reason. It's because totally it. they cannot they're they have a complete incapacity to parse education research in a way that's sophisticated. So a plug. Go read it if you want to know okay. more about that.
0: Uh, Libby Nelson, best and
2: worst. Oh, geez. Well, I feel like I've waited on you guys as pretty thoroughly. Um, worst. This is going to put me on the opposite side of a lot of things I've argued, but there have been genuinely troubling campus speech things. I will say. I think in general, this is part of a movement that is for the good. I think there are individual anecdotes that if I were to say the worst things that happened in at this year would mostly fall on those lines, um, including a couple at Northwestern that is a Northwestern alum. I am really not proud of how some of these issues work themselves out. Are we talking
0: about the Laura Kipnis? Mostly affair? the Laura
2: Kipnis thing, and not so much on behalf of the administration, which did what it had to do. You know what? No, I'm going to narrow this. My least favorite trend is Title IX as an excuse for things we don't like. Yeah. Um which is a point I made on Twitter a couple weeks ago, and then the the discussion kind of moved on to other things, and so I didn't come back to it. It was when the there was someone in the Missouri media fracas who said that the professor who removed the student journalist committed a Title IX violation. Oh yeah, I remember which that, is just yeah. kind of the ultimate, like yeah. everyone on all sides has now convened on this as like the one way Overlit. to litigate outside the yeah, course. Over it, right. Um things in higher education that we don't like. And that the Kipnis thing I would say falls into that as well. Um but just this this idea that this law that is already used as a, a broad and pretty powerful mm-hmm. tool is now being expanded beyond like any scope, anything that has – things that have nothing to do with individual sexual assault through retaliation complaints um, I think is really, really troubling and that is really kind of in some ways – and this probably comes off as concern trolling but truly does set back the causes that Title IX is being used to fight – I don't. I don't know what best is. I'm gonna to have to think about that All one. Right. I mean, time. I agree with but that. But that's I my worst. Think. That's, I mean, that's absolutely. Mean, my I agree worst. with
0: both with that and your framing about sort of understanding the larger, it arguably sort of more. I mean, I mean, we had a whole uh, episode kind of parsing this, but uh, you know, the larger kind of uh, you know very real context of uh, continuing uh, racial injustice and and. Sort of like always kind of keeping the proportionality of that in mind. But yeah, I mean, some of the, but then some of the individual stuff is just, it's sort of, it's just shocking. Like in, in like a, in a genuine, like, I can't believe I'm hearing, reading this on my computer screen sort of way. Uh, I mean, there was just a thing, I mean, to your point, there was actually a thing. I forget where I read a bit last week. Somebody from Harvard Law School, I think, like writing about some some case where they had like weighed in on. uh, Oh, they were criticizing the the, documentary. Yeah, they were criticizing the documentary, The Hunting Mm Ground. And they were saying, you know, the the gist of it was we feel like one of the, uh, which I've not seen. Um, but the gist of it was we feel like one of the cases presented was really flawed and actually we think there's strong evidence that the man in this case was innocent and um, and, and sort of the, – the but the framing of the article was so I'm writing this now but if somebody files a complaint saying that my writing this article is a Title IX violation, I won't be able to keep writing about it yeah. because it will then I be get- in, in – in adjudication it was like a message in a bottle yeah right, right. it was like you <laughs> may never <laughs> yeah. hear from. Like... <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. yeah. and
2: there has to be a way i mean i have you know I, I i think it's hard to cover these issues if you're not in some way both cynical and optimistic um and so i feel like i can be both cynical about the way title nine is used and optimistic that like there is a way to write about and argue about policy issues without calling in title nine on everyone's heads um and that for the most part faculty Faculty should be able to weigh in, particularly on issues that directly affect them, um, but on on issues on their campus without, you know, I, I don't think that's particularly controversial without being the subject of an investigation and the way the Title IX process is set up. It is not the institution's fault. They are required to investigate. Um, but I really do think that's a troubling trend, and I hope it's one that was uh, – two years from now, we're like, wow, that was a oh, weird was year when this happened a lot. Um, and so how required on.
0: are they? I mean, if somebody kind of files one of these things, can they just be like, nah,
2: not no, only. they have to investigate.
1: Remember, remember really? I remember our conversation that we had like about this a couple mm-hmm. months ago yeah. and I suggested that perhaps that the Obama administration's muscular enforcement mm-hmm. of Title IX may have something to do with how colleges are responding and you guys both dismissed it completely out of hand. I'm not assuming I'm, sure I was I'm not assuming later. that your yeah, opinions are I, I actually are agree. I agree <laughs> with Andrew on yeah. this. I'm not assuming that your opinions have changed, but yeah.
2: I don't think it's an argument against the muscular enforcement of Title IX. I think people have different thresholds of the un- unintended consequences they're willing to tolerate. Right. And think, this, this is yeah. one that I think is and is bad, and we should be able to say it is bad without that undermining the fact that I also generally agree with the broader ideas behind some of these movements.
1: I think as a premise, though, we should assume that colleges will respond to, to almost any incentive in the worst possible way.
0: Oh, I, don't, I mean what does that mean though? I mean that
1: means that they'll threat any any attempt at accountability they will threaten to become more selective, right? Getting us back to the original <laughs> point, right?
2: That, I, just, that I that is, yeah. I think played out uh, in a way that is true. I think
0: Play you on. can assume Absolutely. that that colleges are uh
2: However, not getting into organization react, and as sexual organizations assault react or, like right, which is slightly uh, different uh, issues. Defensively,
0: bureaucratically in a self-preservation way, you know. They I mean, over
1: they true. overreact. They don't react or overreact. And that's because they're big complex organizations in that way they're a lot like Congress, right? Don't react, don't react, don't react, overreact in a way that's completely inappropriate um, and disproportionate to to the the mm-hmm. subject matter at hand. And so that I think is something that federal policymakers don't keep in mind enough when they are setting up sure all right yeah, back to you thanks Andrew uh back to me for worst either
0: best or worst
1: so yeah so I was my worst was the one that Libby had um okay. which oh, was this is weird yeah which was right. well no I do I think the campus I think the campus uh, I think the campus protests um led me to be um extremely concerned about the next generation of leaders uh in the country i'm
2: not at all so i think we we may have the same one but we disagree
1: on that. no i i am i used and i said this to somebody the other day i said i used to envy kids who are going up to college because it's like it's the best time of your life it's a time to explore and be you know and have weird controversial opinions and hash them out and do whatever but um i just feel like it's there's a different different tone that's not um conducive to that and I think that's a shame. I think it's really a shame that we that we will have a whole you know, potentially have a generation of students from elite colleges who've never heard a contrary position on a given issue. Well, it's
0: not that. Yeah, but they'll hearing still be them and now, they'll still right? be twenty two. I, mean, I, mean, I mean you
1: know they they're not hearing them <laughs> they they're not hearing them via their camp. so I don't even mean so like the issues that they're hearing that they think are contrary are actually mainstream liberal opinions in some cases, right? Sure. Um, yeah. and, and those well, I are mean, even offensive. I mean,
0: it gets to, it gets to, I mean, some people have made some very sharp distinctions between liberalism and the kind of ideology that, that informs. So I'll put it this way. Yeah.
1: There is no, there, to me, there is no critical thinking involved in dismissing somebody's argument because of their race or their gender or their background. Oh. That is, that is a, that is a basic reptile, reptilian brain response to somebody who you're talking with. And so, to me, if that's if that's sort of where the identity politics of, of campus unrest is, is is if not headed already there, then that's a that's a total loss for for civic competency for our ability to solve big public problems. Um, and I'm not trying to be dramatic. I honestly I honestly think this is a problem, right? If it if 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 it, if, if what we want to do is toil with people's arguments and and find figure out ways. Uh, to discredit them and tell them that they're wrong, that's fine. But dismissing them because of their race or their gender is takes no thinking.
2: I disagree on this completely, partly because I think the, the real world has plenty in store for these kids before they're in the White House or whatever, and we really don't know. This has been two or three years, you know. I mean, I think it's a little soon to write off a generation. But I went to a college that is having these debates. I had almost no exposure to a lot of these issues all the way through college until I was out in – the public, and I think it is good for, in general, college students to be exposed to this stuff. I think I think the protesters may be wrong on their use of Title IX and some of the demands they're making, and their sort of like, optimistic insistence that they can immediately bend the world to their will. I think that beats the alternative, and that they are do- that. They are educating the student body as a whole in ways that, even if they don't agree, are going to be beneficial. I think it's good for college students to be aware of this, of these issues. So, and it is very easy to go. And it's very easy even at a good college to go through and just absolutely not be. So,
1: but I'm, I'm curious what you mean by exposing to, because it strikes me that exposing people to, to issues that are controversial implies exposing them to both perspectives and, and not, and not dismissing one perspective as not just being incorrect, but being racist and right. or sexist.
2: Yes, but I think the step, that's what the the real step world, down from that that's is what, how the, the real like,
1: world operates, right? Maybe
2: I shouldn't presume to weigh in on the experiences of black people without have, ever having been black. I think that is a thing that, like, it is a good idea for white college students to have that in their I
0: heads. mean, this is, you know, I mean, this Not is- Not that their
2: opinion is totally invalid, but, like, you know, whatever the one crank less of that is. Yeah, I think that's a good thing.
0: I mean, this is sort of, I feel like, where we got to, and it took us a lot longer last time, um- but, I mean, it does come down to sort of the balance between values and speech and in these institutions. There is no such thing as a college where there is unfettered free speech. There are all kinds of things that you can say. Like, so I'm going to say that if, if you say something and it gets you fired that's not free speech in the campus context, right? Not in the legal But, you know, we're really only drawing a circle around what's acceptable and won't, like, get you either shamed or, like, lost a job or thrown out of school. And there are things that you can say. There's things that if you say them you know are outside of those boundaries i don't think anyone is really arguing that there shouldn't be boundaries it's just a question of where the boundaries are so does it, yeah but so but, but let me just so yeah. so like i feel like we are in the process of essentially negotiating the boundaries around issues of race and gender and sexuality and they are they are they are not they have they have moved um i feel okay about that because i feel like frankly you know like it's basically a a uh a negotiation that's about respecting empowering people that have been historically disrespected and unempowered. I, and I recognize that it actually has consequences. Like I don't, I, I wouldn't say that it doesn't, but like, I'm not sure that we've gone, gone so far where there's like nothing left to say and like all debate is being stifled.
1: No, I think that's probably, I think that's, that's, that's probably overly dramatic. But what I, what I would, what I would ask to Libyan in response though, is that does your position on race apply then to gender as well? Which then leads us into this whole problem that Kevin cited, uh, vis-a-vis sexual assault in Title IX, which is if 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 if, if uh, an accuser who is a white male or a male student, regardless whatever their race, has no grounds to question an accusation against them because they don't share the person's gender.
2: No, but that's ridiculous. I mean, nobody's saying you don't have the right to question an accusation made against you. I think in general, there is, a lot, there is a lot of men questioning of women's experiences that goes on because by default, they have not had those experiences. And I think in general, pausing and going through that in your head, which is something that I would say my friends who are men are more likely to do now than they were two or three years ago is generally a good thing. I abs- no, like no no one should say that if you were directly accused of sexual assault you can't weigh in because you're a man. I don't think anyone's saying that.
1: But, well, there are people who are saying that. I mean, could you could if you If you
2: personally are directly accused, you do not have the right to weigh in on that accusation?
1: I mean, that that's sort of what's up for debate, right? This this the piece that the woman wrote was essentially that that any allegation has to be treated as as the truth because in or because if you think that any of them could possibly be untrue right. then you are biased. I mean more, more or less that is what she wrote. I mean yeah. she wasn't talking about someone
0: themselves it was anyone else kind right. of playing in on that. But you and can see how
1: so, you can yeah. see how the line there is pretty Yeah.
0: I mean it, you know it, like in some ways I felt like the line was actually like pretty well uh, uh, defined by the uh, young woman who like very unfortunately became internet famous during her confrontation on the Yale quad when she was sort of talking about, you know, like she said something like, it's not a place for intellectual debate. It's supposed to be like a safe space, like for my, it's supposed to be a home, you know? And, and like, that is the line. We can have opinions about that. I, I guess I would just say that like, like, like somebody who is very secure In their position in society Like because they're older or because they're accomplished Or because they're white or because they're a man Or because they're like not vulnerable to all kinds Of discrimination Um is naturally going to put a huge premium on debate and not really care about safety because safety is just not a priority for them. They've been safe their whole lives. They have no idea but really it, what it's like. So yeah, so like for but, someone else to sort of say, no, nah, you know, I actually like, it's a lot more important to me. I'm willing to, the trade-off is different in my mind. I'm like, okay, like, well, I, I'm not, like, I'm only going to argue that point so far because I don't really know what their perspective is like.
1: That's, that, th- nobody, I would never argue that I would understand, that I understand yeah. somebody's perspective who, who's mm-hmm. different from me. But but I would def, but I would certainly suggest that I'm going to take somebody's arguments on their merit and not dismiss them because of their race. I agree with that
0: all right so we have like 13 minutes to go perfect so, so i imagine this is going to come we just again. rehashed the last yeah. podcast we did. We did. We did. but in a we more
1: did. fiery way yeah that was better we yeah. should have done this we should have done this Let's more we should go back practice once yeah that's right <laughs>
2: that was the same conclusion yeah. we came to yeah. Yeah. so like all I right we right. did it again we did Let's it. Go we're on. getting we're
0: getting more efficient <laughs> with this um all right so i'm going to say so best thing i actually i'm very enthusiastic overall about all of the i'm going to take it in a totally different direction um all the obama administration's like higher ed wonkery this year i think it's been really good they've done all kinds of stuff right i mean they've been they've Sort of been like, like moving down the like higher ed policy nerd checklist in a way. So we have prior prior is a thing now, right? We're experimenting with using Title IV for non-accredited colleges, which is totally cool. Uh, I, you know, I put the college scorecard in that category. I mean, we have sort of a robust move towards more outcomes data. Um, their participation in the competency based education movement. I mean, I do feel like, you know, I think Ted Mitchell, as undersecretary, has been, you know, a very active late, you know, late administration policymaker and trying to kind of accomplish a series of things. Um, I've been glad to see it. So, best.
2: Yeah, I think that that is definitely the under noticed story of the year in um, the popular. You know, I'm still stuck on best. God. I didn't realize I was so depressed about 2015. This is upsetting. Always go
0: to Northwestern. to pretty good on the football field this year. I mean, that
2: is my personal best higher ed story of, yeah. of 2015. It's been an amazing year for games, Northwestern right? football. Um, yes. Ten.
1: Ten? I will just Sorry. say in response to your best that um, – but I think what's been remarkable, and I'll follow this without further much further comment. Worst,
0: Ohio State being ranked behind Iowa in the final <laughs> rankings. What <laughs> the hell is that? How, how can you be the defending national champion who basically loses one game a season, you lose one game on a last-second field goal, to the team that's going into the playoff, and yet you're right behind Iowa. Anyway, maybe, maybe
2: we should leave. Andrew, okay, out of this right, and you and I need to argue okay. about ten the are ball well, the next week I really want if, to. If
1: you are you rooting against all four because you don't you dislike them? Or no, no, you, no.
0: I mean, look, we we lost to Michigan State, so like, do you Michigan root State. for the
1: Big Ten once they're in the? Absolutely, I hope yeah. Michigan
0: State goes all the way. Okay. I just think we shouldn't have been behind Iowa because that means we don't get to go to the Rose Bowl. And How I about you? Nonsense. Do you vote for the Big Ten when they're?
2: Well, I'm, I'm conflicted I mean, on this I mean, because I the reason I mean, Northwestern's like, except for Michigan, good I would win
0: against Michigan in any game they ever Obvious, played, obviously. but anyone else, I mean, goes without <laughs> yes. saying, right? Yes. So
2: Northwestern's historically yeah. good year. This is like our one of yeah. our two or three best seasons ever in the right. 100 and whatever year history of this program. Yeah. It's been a really bad time. Okay, <laughs> um, has been totally subsumed in the Big Ten having a good year, right? And so, so I have like, like very like conflicted member, personal feelings about that, where five. it's like good for the conference in general to be good, but like God, in any other right. year, like Northwestern would be the story of this. Conference. best year and, they're yeah. the, they're, and the, no one has noticed
1: they're the fifth best team in the yeah league. we're in a fine bowl we were in the yeah. same bowl we were in, yeah. in like a much lesser I watched season. them get blown out of the horseshoe once that was one, that was one of the games what I actually that? saw this was like 2003 or 2004 oh, okay.
2: I missed the t- no in 2004 so this, you lost at Northwestern I wasn't there yet yeah Ohio State often. lost at yeah. Northwestern yeah. not you yeah. you Yeah.
1: yeah <laughs> Yeah, I was there as an as an objection as an objective observer sure. with yeah. my buddy who's in medical school.
0: Anyway, I sorry, know. I interrupted you. No, I was um, just gonna
1: say so. that I think one of the things that's remarkable that that I that has seemed to be interesting is the divide between sort of like who's in charge of the higher ed message mm-hmm. at the Obama administration, and I feel like I feel like the free community college thing caught the ed department people like completely unawares. Yes, um, and that there was a lot of kind of back not quite backpedaling so, 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 so did the ratings by the
0: way so yeah just yeah. fyi
1: <laughs> but like but and so that's always an interesting dynamic yeah. right it's, it's just think like it, from an institutional politics level like now that if higher ed policy is going to start to be made in the white house right that's interesting that's never happened
0: before, well and like relatedly right? i mean i don't know if you say it's best or worst but like the i mean when i when i go to like talking points memo like one of the paid ads is bernie sanders Talking about why his massive higher education giveaway <laughs> is better than Hillary Clinton's massive higher education giveaway—that's different. We've talked about this before, but I just want to say it again. Like this was the year that essentially college affordability became a like blue ribbon a national political presidential is- level issue.
2: Yeah, and that that segues into my best, which is a lame sundress best, but it is. I think it is a good thing that we are having like nationally a totally different conversation about higher ed on a lot of fronts than we were having three or four years ago. I'm really glad we moved out of the Two debates of the past like four years which is are MOOCs good or bad mm-hmm. and is the Gates Foundation good. helping or ruining higher education?
0: Helping. Uh,
2: thank you Kevin. <laughs> but like really this is a way broader more interesting yeah. more multi-dimensional mm-hmm. conversation and it's I'm thinking a lot about how long I continue to cover higher education if I say I did the eight years of the Obama administration and move on to something else or not. Um, and the fact that we're having this much more like multi-voiced and interesting debate is Great as a reporter, and I think I think it's good for the country to get like really corny. I think it's I think it's good to have a broader conversation about values in higher ed than we'd been had than on value right, very very narrowly as we've been having for the past few years.
0: Well, and it's on both sides. I mean, you saw you know you've sort of seen like Marco Rubio doesn't have any kind of huge like giveaway plan but he's been as a legislator like very active sort of talking about these issues i mean talks about it at every opportunity right yeah you know yep. he's, he's more on the you know innovation and and markets which is as you would expect and and i think actually the legislation he co-sponsored with ron wyden is a good piece of legislation i think it's really interesting i think i mean i was uh i think i said i testified to uh, uh ron johnson's committee the oversight committee about you know it, it, most of the discussion was about accreditation you know and sort of well you know Accreditation does what? Really? And so we can't have any? We don't? We never build any more colleges? Like right. why is that? Right. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Why don't we the, create, the ninth um, or
2: tenth downside of the campaign yeah. is that uh, the Trump campaign is that um, the higher ed has gotten so little attention. Yeah, already. right. My, like, my, Ruby, like my Rubio like, uh, higher ed piece, by tenths, the way, is my, my favorite th- thing I wrote. Ninety this year. Ninth
0: or 100th probably, but yeah. No, I mean I, I think you're right. I think it 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 there is an alternate non-Trump universe in which maybe the Republican candidates are debating higher education and. Um, And that's by
2: default. The Democrats also are more, you know, I don't know. Um, I mean, it it does feel like one of the issues that the oxygen guy just totally sucked up off of has been higher ed.
1: Basically, yeah, basically any domestic issue outside of like taxes. Because of yeah. because of Trump, does immigration count as domestic or not? Ah, uh, no. Okay, I wouldn't count. It's would, right at the border. I would count it as sort of like definition. it's a blend. Yeah, it's a yeah. blend wow, though okay. of like cultural and international yeah. relations. Don't you think? Like, well, I, mean, I don't think I mean, it is like. I mean, a, I mean, a public program a policy I mean, a,
2: issue. Yeah, like entitlements I
0: mean, uh, and how to you know what I mean? What, I think of them how to categories. think about the many, many millions of
1: undocumented immigrants is very much domestic. Agre- agreed, but it is, but it has not been. It's not invo- often invoked in the pantheon of. Reforms to entitlements and discretionary spending, and so on, because it doesn't—it does—it entails spending, but in in terms of enforcement of
0: it. Yeah, law. I'm I'm an idiot when it comes to politics. I just have no sense of judgment about what's going to happen, uh, and so. Uh, I don't know, man.
2: Yeah, let's talk about how I swore on my life that uh, No Child Left Behind would not be reauthorized. Right, this year. and it that was. You, For those right of you
0: who are. To be fair,
2: I was yeah. not the only one who was like massively dramatically wrong about it, but it right. was definitely the well, thing that was most I mean, dramatically wrong I, about. Feel like it was I
1: feel like you shouldn't even say that it was reauthorized, though, because you're so hurt by the fact oh, that. Oh, come is. on. <laughs> <laughs> it was reauthorized.
0: I mean, look, I moved to Washington D.C. nine months before No Child Behind was passed, and since then have se- have been saying for 15 years, you know, no one went broke but betting against Congress not reauthorizing this law, and that was a good bet. I mean, it took 15 years. I'm really glad you know, I didn't so, literally bet against this. So it was it was a long good run. I mean, so so I mean, the question, <laughs> I guess, Carter, for higher education uh, is is since all assumptions are like assuming that the the uh, control of Congress doesn't change in the next election, which Probably it won't. I mean, I, I think most likely is the, you know, ever more solidified Republican majority in the House, but probably a less, uh, a a Republican majority in the Senate, although probably not as big a one, but probably not enough to get all the way to 50 or 51, depending on who you think's is going to win the election. Um, uh, c- can the same actors who have now learned to work together, right? So you have, which is pretty unusual, right? So you're not only at the, at the, uh, the member level but at the staff level which is like really important people who have actually gone through a, a process of successful negotiation can then say hey why not do that to the higher education act also it's not that unusual in education
1: right it's this well it took 15 years i mean yeah but but that's you know that's not i mean that's not all that long and it didn't take 15 years right because the 14. well no because the original one was passed then so there was a period in which you were you were not obligated to reauthorize it right so
0: Right, sure. So, right, okay. So it took That's eight
1: right. Yeah. Just yeah. to years. four conferences. Yeah. yeah, which isn't that long. Yeah. I mean, there's things that go on. I mean, I mean, I mean
0: it's supposed to be reauthorized. It took. It doubled the cycle. It's yeah, but to I'm, be reauthorized. You, like if
1: you looked at this, like yeah. the, the time frames are not particularly good. Like the highway bill gets reauthorized because it's like goodies for mm-hmm. everybody, but right. other things that don't get reauthorized on schedule. And they have to do something. I'm still right? bearish so. on. I'm
2: still bearish on HGA. I they don't have to do something on HGA, so. They're not no, going
0: no. To. What what I mean is the people who work there like have jobs. And oh so, well, yeah, so, but like, so, we're, no, but it's I mean, this matters, though, right? Election. You know, I mean, so, so, so they'll at some point like the clock will start. You know, they'll they'll get to go back to work, right? And if you're a staffer on the help committee, then you like you you don't have anything to do other than work on some new piece of legislation. So I that, have heard yeah, I have
1: heard that they that nothing will move before the election. Sure, but that's yeah, true of I'm, almost everything, right? I mean.
2: I would not bet on it in 2016, yeah. but maybe it will move in December again, and yeah. it will be dramatically wrong for no, a second I'm, I'm, year in there. I'm
0: assuming that we now ruin your holidays. I'm season. assuming all education policy making. I mean, again, we kind of under the wire, getting it done uh, 11 months before election. Love so. Actually. Okay. I don't know if we have time. We have three minutes. Do it. I can give a 30 second defense of actually, which is Go. having
2: recently rewatched it. Okay. Love Actually is a mostly terrible movie that, for me, is utterly redeemed by the final 25 minutes, which is a sheer emotional reaction that you cannot argue me out of. I hate most of the characters.
0: Right. So explore but for like, us why, though. So is it just the pure, like, is are you overwhelmed by something else about the
2: movie? I think it is like, I mean, okay, to, to define the kind of person I am cinematically, I like darkness and complexity in TV, which I feel like we have established with yes. our TV discussions. Right. In movies, I just want to, like, Side rewatch note, the last five, five minutes. minutes.
1: I haven't seen the finale. Okay. Shush. Oh, my God. Okay. Shush. I just
2: want to rewatch the last fifteen minutes of When Harry Met Sally, like over and over again right. for the rest of uh, my life, and the mm-hmm. end of Love Actually absolutely fulfills that. Right. And the fact yeah. that large parts of the movie before it are terrible is like, well, you have to have something to have a crescendo. I feel like otherwise you just so have
0: loud music. Cruel. I haven't seen the movie since the f- one and only time I saw it, like whenever it was, a year afterwards. Wait, no, I'm sorry, you <laughs>
1: haven't just... seen Love Actually since the time you saw it the first time, right? You have to watch it again no, before I you can come up with some any kind of solid joke. Okay, so I feel like- You have like to see it again when you're in a different part of your life. Yes, agreed. And you're feeling- Dude, I've been more, married forever. I know. So but I was married then, now, I'm married now. You have a kid Same now person. That's true. Like,
2: I, I was um, actually going to say, change. I either think my like my deep emotional attachment to it is from the part of my life when I watched it, which was, this is a higher ed. Like, it was my first <laughs> quarter of college. It was two years after it came out because I'm a young'un. Um, and I right. saw it the night before Thanksgiving when there were like six people in the dorm. Yeah. And I like felt like I had friends, and so like part of me, part of that is like that moment for me. Yeah.
0: like there's, it's I feel warm, like the movie is so wantonly feeling. cruel to the Emma Thompson character. Like I feel yes, like it's, no, she's the only adult know, in the movie, like, and she's punished for it. So, 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 I'm not gonna argue with you on that. Kind this. of poison her. for you a little bit though, like sort of.
2: No, uh, I think love no. actually is about like loving that's, things unreasonably and with no right. logical justification, and that's the way I feel about that's it what, but right. that. But okay. that all for right. me was I'm what. So like, big nod the, ahead to
1: Libby Nelson for that one. But like on Libby's on Libby's point of... like I'm not sure liking, you thought of that, but, but about liking dark you did, like.
2: I did. Thank you. Okay. I'm going to maybe go write a take all right, centered go. around that. Part. That's okay. what redeemed
1: the movie <laughs> you, for me, though. Was that actually
0: right. th- like it showed you that? No, it, was, just, that it not- was so good. It sounded like it had been like pre-tracked. I came up
2: with that right here.
0: Okay, I'm gonna. I'm gonna expect to see that on Vox.com within 24 hours. What is the over under on when we see this on Vox.com? Because you know she didn't have sufficient time. Whoever the like cynical sort of there's like yeah. Apparently the
2: answer to this is give me 20 seconds. There's to someone
0: my behind argument, the curtain so of Vox who sort of sits there and like has a gut instinct for like what will get a million numbers and we all know love that's going to shoot right to the top of the
1: like Fox most
2: love red actually
0: list.
1: best Christmas movie explained yes
2: I'll, I'll see what I can do it I'll all see, dates back, I'll, I'll it. It all dates back, back to Evanston
1: Illinois it is
0: 5 p.m. on on uh, Wednesday the what is it the 16th of uh, it is the 16th of December so what is the over over under on when this one shoots to the top of the Vox most red list I
1: say 36 hours yeah yeah, by the weekend. By the this isn't mean yeah. Kevin
2: Carey likes speed and me getting yeah. it okayed, but all right, I, I've made yeah. it. I, I have an obligation now to at least give it my best. No, okay. that was great.
0: I, as I said, it was so good. I assumed it was somebody else's like take that you had internalized. So that's
1: awesome. That's I, so flattering, Kevin.
2: Now. I'm so glad you <laughs> think so. I, like,
1: so to yeah. end <laughs> the year on a high note. <laughs>
2: um, <laughs> <on> a, <laughs> that was so smart. I thought you couldn't possibly have come up with that. Yeah,
0: it was just so good. You know, uh, it was. Uh, um, I had. Our, I had
1: utmost faith that you so, come up with. It yourself.
0: Uh, I just want to say that John Williams and Amanda Gaines who are right now looking at me through our studio doors frantically doing the cut cut across the next sign because they really really have to go and produce a live event being led by my boss Anne-Marie Slaughter on ISIS I think it's something yeah getting nods on that on ISIS. Um, so we have, listen, they they have we have to wrap up our side. podcast. We have to wrap up our podcast. So I do want to say both uh, thanks to both of you for agreeing to come to my place and these great conversations which have made me a lot smarter. Um, and I really do appreciate your time and your perspective. They are very valuable. Thanks to all of our listeners. I think we are, uh, they are growing. Um, email we us. Have
2: tens of them.
0: Tweet at us, uh, at KevinCarry1, at Libby A. Nelson, at Andrew P. Kelly. Um, let us know you're out there. Uh, we would love to hear from you. Um, thoughts on future things that we should uh, talk about. Um, and I think it's going to be an exciting 2016 and I'm looking forward to, uh, talking to all of you and, and, uh, by extension, all the listeners out there. So thank you very much for listening. Um, have a wonderful holiday season and we will see you next year. Bye. Cheers. Cheers.
2: Thank you for listening to this new America podcast. This recording carries a creative commons attribution share alike 4.0 international license. To learn more about New America, please visit us at newamerica.org. Music thanks to Silent Partner for their song, George. To learn more about New America, please visit us at newamerica.org.